Morning. Okay. <laughs> Um, I probably am loud enough without that, but um, <laughs> we're going to start uh, in our pew Bibles uh, with Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2 on page 949. Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, The next reading is on page 841. It's Luke 9, 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Carrie. I know we just prayed for a while, but let's pause and pray again as we come to the word. Lord, we ask you to be our teacher now. Teach us how to love, how to live in your love. Amen. How... How do we change? That's what this whole sermon series has been about for the last seven weeks. Um, Off the treadmill, onto the trail, seven axioms for actual change. And I hope today's message will kind of tie some threads together and get down to the real question, okay, so how do we actually change and grow? Last week I told you that the goal of all of this is to be united with God, to live in God's love. That's the ultimate goal, and that's also something we're learning to do here and now. So how do we do it? How do we experience change by living in God's love? I remember when I first started asking that question for myself, I had gone to church as a kid. I grew up, you know, going to Sunday school and believing all the stuff I was supposed to believe. But I kind of waffled in my faith in high school. Um, uh, By the grace of God, as a senior in high school, I, I encountered Jesus in a more real way, and I began to follow him. I was baptized, and I went to college just uh, ready to plunge in headfirst into the life of faith. So I I joined the Christian Fellowship Campus Group, and I read my Bible on my own, voluntarily, for the first time. Uh, Maybe not the first time, but consistently for the first time. I um, developed routines of prayer. I I plugged into a local church. I read Christian books, and I thought, okay, I'm on this this trajectory now, where my faith will keep growing, and eventually I will um, achieve spiritual maturity. And then life happened. And I realized it's been two years or five years or ten years, and I'm still struggling with a lot of the same stuff. I haven't changed in all the ways I thought I would. I still feel timid about sharing my faith. I I still have a weak prayer life. I still feel selfish and unloving. So I would cycle through different explanations for why this was the case. Maybe I just need to be more disciplined in prayer and Bible study. 
right? Have you ever thought that? That will be the answer. Or maybe I'm just not fully surrendered to God. Maybe I need to have some kind of a dramatic uh, altar call moment and, and God will zap me with his Holy Spirit and make everything different. Have you ever thought that? I'm sure some of you have had these same thoughts. And, and I'm not discounting the importance of those things. We do need the Holy Spirit. We do need prayer and Bible study. But I have since come to realize that the way Jesus intends to change us is really quite simple and obvious and uh, not always something we embrace. <laughs> and I'll put it this way. It takes practice. That's it. We need to practice living in God's love. If we're going to be changed uh, and be people who can live in love and, and love people like Jesus did and see ourselves as God sees us and live in union with God, it takes practice. It doesn't just happen automatically. It won't happen with a one-time zap from the Holy Spirit. Or uh, it won't happen by faithful church attendance. It won't happen just by reading your Bible. You actually need to practice living in God's love. And little by little, from glory to glory, you will be changed. That's the good news. And furthermore, you can learn this. You can learn this. I don't care if you're 80 years old or 8 years old. You, you have everything you need to learn to live in God's love and to be changed uh, thoroughly in your life. It just takes practice. So I want to tell you this morning about how we can practice. This is not going to cover, you know, all of the things we could talk about, about how God changes us, it's just focusing on a few things. <clears throat> how do we practice living in God's love? I have four points, but they're simple. They all work together. So, number one. Number one, accept the fact that you are a learner. You are a learner. Did you know that as a Christian, your very identity has learner built into it? There's a word the Bible uses for someone who is following Jesus. That is a disciple. Disciple is not some religious special word. It simply means student or pupil or learner. Jesus called people to come and learn from him. I'll say he calls people to come and learn from him. He said in Matthew 11, Come and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me. If you are a Christian, you are and will always be in this life a learner. That is something to be embraced. You never stop learning, not after you get baptized, not after you've read the whole Bible, not after you have achieved a certain number of years as a Christian. You will always be a learner. There's a story Meg's mom, Shirley, tells about what happened um, when Meg's brother, Ewan, started kindergarten. This is many years ago, obviously. Um, the first half of the kindergarten year was great. He loved it. 
But come January, he began to resist going to school. He would hide up in his room when it was time to go. And after weeks of battling with Ewan, uh, Shirley finally got him to confess the reason that he didn't want to go to school. She thought, oh no, is he being bullied? Is, Is something bad happening there? But finally he confessed, Mom, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. And it dawned on her, the first half of the year was stuff he already knew. He's a bright kid. Now they're getting into new stuff, and he thinks, as she said, she said, you in school is not a place where you go to show what you already know. It's a place to go to learn new things. And that solved the problem. Don't we approach faith like that sometimes? I wonder how many of you come to church feeling sheepish or embarrassed that you don't know more than you do or that you haven't achieved some level of spirituality. You are a learner. It's okay. We are all learners. I wonder how many people stay away from church altogether because they don't feel like they know enough or have changed enough. We are learners, so we need to embrace it. The late, great Eugene Peterson wrote, There are no experts in the company of Jesus. We are all beginners. There are no experts. We're all learners. We're all followers. We're all practicing. But here we come um, to the second point, because we are a certain type of learner. Um, Jesus didn't say, come to my discipleship class on Tuesdays and Thursdays and take notes so that you can uh, know how to live. He didn't say that. He said, follow me, walk with me, watch me, watch and learn, do what I do. He, he's not inviting us to, um, to a, a, a mastery of information, but a way of life. And so, more specifically, the type of learners we are is uh, apprentices. How many of you have apprenticed someone? A master engineer, master plumber, master carpenter. You've been in uh, medical residency. You've done student teaching. That's how you learn to do something. You don't learn in class. You learn on the job, watching the master and learning from him and, and putting that into practice. And so... Number two, we learn by doing, not just by thinking. We learn by doing. You cannot think your way into living in God's love. You learn by doing. Now, it's not that our minds are unimportant. Our minds are integral to the process, but we will not learn to live in God's love by thinking about living in God's love. Just like, you know, you're not going to get in shape by thinking about going to the gym. (laughs) You're not going to become a great quilter by looking at beautiful quilt patterns. You're not going to um, become a good nurse by reading a textbook on nursing. Some of these things you can only learn by doing, by practicing. And so the way God designed the Christian life to work is not just for you to 
to, to listen to sermons or read your Bible and have discussions in small groups and think about all these great ideas, but actually to put them into practice. Put them into practice. Um, let me show you uh, Luke, Luke 9, verses 1 through 2, which was read. Jesus said, um, uh, he, he, he called his disciples together. It says, he called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. That would be pretty amazing. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they've been following him around, watching him do all this stuff for a while. And now he says, okay, it's your turn. Go out and do what you've been watching me do. Go out and put this into practice. That was his discipleship curriculum. Go practice what I've shown you. In a similar vein, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote to a church, uh, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1.22 You see, we grow... Only when we practice, we grow in love only when we practice loving actions. Only when we do what Jesus calls us to do. For example, uh, don't just think about reconciling with someone. Pick up the phone. Give them a call. Uh, Don't just read about generosity. Practice generosity. Don't just wish you had more self-control. Practice resisting temptation. Uh, Don't just wish you could make a difference in someone's life. Find someone to mentor. I had a professor in seminary who would often say, we don't need more books about prayer. You just need to pray. You know, some of these things you're not going to, You're not going to learn by thinking about them or reading about them or talking about them. You'll learn by trying them and then saying, how did that go? What do I need to still learn? Uh, Lord, I I tried this and it didn't go well. So how do I do it differently next time? Um, There's an important truth at play here. And that that is this, that our hearts follow our hands. So what we do with our bodies ends up shaping our minds, our our inner lives. Neuroscience um, is is supporting this, actually. Psychologists and and, um, uh, brain scientists used to believe that the key to changing our behaviors was by changing our thoughts. We need to think a different way so that we can act differently. But now they're realizing it's almost the opposite. Your thoughts will follow your actions. So you actually can rewire your brain by developing different habits and different actions. Let me give you an example. As Christians, we say, um, you know, love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the, the first and greatest commandment. Do you always feel like doing that? No. But you do actions that train your heart and mind to want that. So, for example, you're here today at church. We come, we gather, 
We stand, we open our mouths and sing. We open our Bibles and read. We pray, we embrace one another. We do all these things to train ourselves to love God. And then we think, gee, I I actually do love God and God's people. You see? We can only learn by doing. But, as I might have alluded to a few minutes ago, it's not always easy. We're not guaranteed success. Number three, failure is part of the process. Failure is part of the process. Learning requires trying and failing and trying again. In Scripture, uh, Jesus and Paul and Peter and James and others talk about the importance of perseverance. Why is perseverance so important? Because as we live the Christian life, we will encounter um, uh, things that are too hard for us. We will fail We will face our own weaknesses. We will necessarily go through these things, and they're not signs that something is wrong. This is the the way that we grow in our faith and in our, our, our ability to love like Jesus. A man named Matt Tebbe tells a story of trying to help his eight-year-old son become a better basketball player. Uh, his son had dreams of, of playing in the NBA. And his dad said, okay, well, um, you know, if you, if you want to become a better basketball player, uh, Deacon, his name is Deacon, um, here's what you have to do. I want you to practice left-handed layups. So shooting with his, his weak hand. So he got him started, then he went inside, and after about eight minutes, his son comes in in tears. Dad, I can't do it. I can't even get the ball to the rim. I'm never going to be able to do this. His dad very lovingly explained, I know it's hard, buddy. Your, your arm and your brain have to learn these totally new things. You have to develop the strength you didn't have. And so keep at it, and you'll get it. Well, the next day, his son hit his first left-handed layup, right? Failure is part of the process. It's the only way we learn to live in love. So in your life, don't see your places of failure as evidence that you aren't good enough or you aren't growing. See them as the places you can grow. Um, I've experienced this in my own life. I have failed so many times as a parent uh, in reacting to my kids in anger rather than love. And up until about a year ago, um, I was just feeling defeated by this. Like, I am just not good enough. And since then, God has helped me see um, this is one of the main ways he wants me to grow, and he's helping me grow. He's teaching me to love using the curriculum of my children. And parenting, and I'm still failing, but now I'm failing forward. I'm learning how to receive God's grace and try again and reflect and try to follow Jesus again by loving my kids. So what about you? Um, 
Do you experience failure in parenting or in prayer or in a failure of self-control or a failure in marriage or a failure in friendship or a failure in your, your thought life and, and mental health maybe? Whatever it is, that is a place where God is saying, it's okay, get back up, try again with my help. This is a place that you can learn to live in my love. Remember, we talked about this weeks ago. God is not waiting for you to be as you think you should be. He is meeting you right now in the reality of your life, of your failures. Exactly where you are. I wonder what we would try if we weren't afraid of failure. What would you try in your walk with Jesus? Would you take more risks in following the Holy Spirit's prompting? Would you uh, befriend your gay coworker, even though you're like, I don't, I don't know, I might say something wrong, I might mess it up. Would you um, pray with more boldness? Would you try to share your faith more often? Would you be more honest with someone about your sins? What would you do if, if you weren't afraid of failure? You see, we need a Christianity. We need a, we need a, a pattern where it's okay to do left-handed layups in the Christian life. And not to, to only do things that we feel we, we can control and we've already mastered, but to fail. Our, our church needs to be a place where people can fail and experience grace, and try again. Where we're honest enough to show one another our failures and to say, look, this is where I'm growing. This is what God is doing for me. Because failure is part of the process. So we are all learners. We learn by doing, not just thinking. Failure is part of the process. And number four, and finally... It really is all about love. The goal is not to become a successful, happy, self-actualized person. There are plenty of self-help books you can go to for that. What you find with Jesus, the goal is to live in God's love. To experience oneness with God and one another. Um, And therefore, love is about relationships. And so it makes sense that the way we grow is by being in relationships. Loving others and loving God, two things. Um, Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians that you heard read, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Notice that phrase, walk in the way of love. Love is active. It's a way of life. It's not just thinking, it's acting. Walk in the way of love. I started this sermon series seven weeks ago by giving you the the mental image of a treadmill. You know, 
Um, we run on this treadmill because we feel guilty. We run because we are driven to perform. We run because we want to please God, but we aren't getting anywhere. That's what the Christian life can feel like sometimes, this treadmill of trying harder and failing and trying harder and never being good enough. And that is not what God wants for us. That's not what Jesus calls us to. So picture Jesus walking over and unplugging the treadmill and reaching out his hand and saying, follow me. We're going on a journey. The, the only way you can start on this journey is by surrendering to the love that I have shown you on the cross and believing you are a dearly loved child of God. I'm going to teach you to live like that is actually true. And if you forget, just look back at the cross, look and see the scars on my hands. And the trail I'm taking you on will be difficult, he says. We will often have to stop and help others. Uh, You may get frustrated that we aren't going as fast as you want. The path will be winding. And that path may look a lot like your mundane, everyday life. But trust me that this is the way and there are no, um, these are not detours. This is the path. He continues, he says, we will also be walking with other people. Right? Sometimes you won't get along. Sometimes you will. Remember that the people around you are never distractions. We can't get to our destination until you learn to love them and they learn to love you. So are you ready? Follow me in the way of love. So may Jesus teach us to live in God's love. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that even now, the words that I've shared would not be concepts uh, for myself and for my brothers and sisters here. I pray that they would, they would turn into actions. That they would grow and blossom into um, actions of love and trust and obedience and um, actions that, that help us practice living in your love. Show each of us the specific ways that um, maybe places of failure in our lives or we can, can um, embrace the work you're doing and see those things as opportunities to, um, to learn and to grow. And I pray, Lord, that, that our church would be, um, we would just... This would be a company of people who are learning and practicing your way of love. Guide us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.